because a solar flare happened. I want to celebrate all of our ladies, all of our moms, our aunts, our, uh, you know, sisters, and all the ladies, you know, you, you all deserve honor, and we, we just want to honor every single one of you today. Uh, this morning, as we're preparing for, uh, as we're par- preparing to, to discuss or to, to look at a, a, a mother in the Bible uh, by the name of Hannah, uh, we're going to look in just a moment at 1 Samuel. You might want to get ready for that, 1 Samuel chapter 1. But today, you know, Mother's Day is the day, a lot of times you hear on Mother's Day that the mother, uh, the, the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Have you heard that one? Amen. And I'm not going to argue with that. You know, I'm not going to argue with that. There was a book uh, written by a woman called Moms Who Changed the World. And, uh, you know, she, she writes about a list of a lot of the world leaders, men and women, uh, who have been influenced by their mother. And through the influence of their mother, they help to literally change the world. Uh, I'll give you an example. George Washington, the father of our country, okay, first president. His father died when he was 11 years old. And uh, he, so he was basically brought up by his mother. Her name was Mary Washington. And Mary um, molded him, his character, through the reading of the Bible. And at that time, a book that was popular called uh, Contemplations Moral and Divine. And George Washington, you know, in his success, uh, in his great success uh, as our uh, first president, once said, said this about his mom. He said, I attribute my success in life to the moral, intellectual, and physical education I received from her. Talking about his mom. You know, he credited his mom for his, the, his training, for his upbringing, and for his success in life. Uh, moms, yeah, moms do rule the world, don't they? <laughs> they have influence upon their children. Uh, we're going to look at it. As I said, we're going to look at a mom this morning. Her name is Hannah. And... Um, she had a son born to her named Samuel. Samuel was a very important leader in history in the, in the, for the nation of Israel. He was born around 1,100 years before Christ, 1,100 B.C., during the time of what we call the Judges. Samuel was a, the last uh, great judge. He was the last judge of the nation of Israel. He was a God-ordained prophet of the nation of Israel, and he was the man God used to anoint the first kings of the nation of Israel, Samuel. Samuel. And uh, he was a great leader. He was a leader his mother prayed. He was a child that his mother prayed for. And uh, uh, her, you know, she prayed for this son. That she, she was the hand that rocked his cradle. And it was her heart that moved the hand of God. We're going to read about Hannah right now, if you would, and we're in 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter, chapter 1, and it says this, if you're able and willing, if you can stand with me, we're going to read God's word, it's a little bit longer today, uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 20, okay, and it says this, there was a certain man from Ramathane, a Sufite, 
from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of, son of Zuf, son of uh, an Ephraimite. He had two wives, one called Hannah and the other called Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to, to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Penina, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her, and the Lord had closed, closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, Abel kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and she would not eat. Her husband, Elkanah, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? You're downhearted. Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? Once, when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now, Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost at the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son. Then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. And she, as she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her speech was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk. And he said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who's deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked him. She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, they arose and worshipped before the Lord, and then went back to their home in Ramah. Alkanah made love to his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Amen. You know, before Hannah, before Hannah had this child, became, became the mother of this child, she went through a lot of agony. She went through a lot of trials. And, uh, but she hung on to the vision that God implanted in her heart. She hung on to the mission that God had ordained for her to do. 
She hung on in prayer, in perseverance, perseverance, and she shows us the example of prayers. We're going to look at in just a moment. Hannah gives us a blueprint, a blueprint for prayer. It's in your outline, the back of your bulletin, if you'd like to fill that in. It's a blueprint for prayer. Her prayers are a design to follow. They give us a pattern to pursue. All right? If we want to stop, uh, if we want to st- step out of an unproductive prayer life and step into a prayer life that moves the hand of God, hey, Hannah's example is the example to follow. We're going to look at that this morning. Her blueprint for prayer. All right? So let's begin. Her first pattern in this blueprint is this. She prayed through her persecution. Verse 6. <coughs> Verse 6. It says, because the Lord closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in, in order to irritate her. Hannah was being attacked. You know, she was being, she was being uh, troubled. She was being persecuted by her rival. Okay, so she had a troubled spirit. She was a target of verbal abuse. And Penina uh, was the one who was verbally abusing her. Penina was the, the other wife of Alkanah. And she, she verbally assaulted her in a mean-spirited kind of way. She, she verbally assaulted her for being the wife who could not bear a child. I mean, that's pretty mean. She was make, basically making fun of her. She was being cruel. She was being spite, spiteful. <coughs> and she was persecuted. And some of you know what that feels like. To be persecuted in an unfair way. Uh, to be persecuted. You know, you, you, here you are, you're just trying to do what's right. You're trying to do what you're supposed to do. And you're met with opposition. You meet with opposition. You meet with uh, unfounded accusation. You meet with words that are thrown at you uh, to bring out your weaknesses and your faults. And the person throwing these flaming darts is just trying to, 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 to bring out, try, trying to embarrass you and cause, try, cause you pain. Well, that's what Hannah was going through. She was, she was in pain. It was causing her pain. The, uh, the rival, Penina, was uh, verbally abusing her. You see, Elkanah had, Elkanah had two wives. Penina, who had several children already. And Hannah, who had none. Every year, they would go up to Shiloh. Shiloh was the place where the the tackle stood. The tabernacle was the house of God. It was a place of worship. It was a place of uh, uh, feasting. It was a place of celebration. But every year when they went up, Hannah was reduced to tears. Verse 7. Verse 7 said, they went up year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. She was was in grief. She was in grief. Hannah was being attacked. She was in grief. You know, I can imagine the things that, I can imagine the things that uh, Penina would have said to her. She She would have said something like this, Hannah. You must be under God's curse. 
you don't have any children. I have a lot of children. You don't have any. You must not be good enough to have children. I, I can imagine, Hannah, I can imagine a Penina not be good enough to have children. You, you're, just, you're such a disappointment to your husband. Huh? She was just bullying her. She was trying to hurt her. She was, she was just trying to be verbally abusive, and she did cause Hannah to uh, be emotionally bleed. She was emotionally bleeding and weeping, but Hannah was strong in the Lord. She stood strong in the Lord. Hannah stood strong in the Lord. She was strong enough not to retaliate. Not to, she was strong enough not to fight evil with evil. So what did she do instead? What did she do instead? She turned to God. And she gave it to God. And th she prayed through her persecution. You know, sometimes, here's the thing, she was hurting. Her, her, she gave all of her hurt to God. Instead of turning insult for insult, she returned to the throne of the Lord. And she gave it to God. And she prayed to God. And she poured out her soul to God. She was strong in the Lord. You know, sometimes your cares and your hardships and your, just can be a weight on you, amen? It could be like a pressure. There's a hardship that you're going through. It could be like a pressure on you. And you're going to end up in one of two places, depending on where that pressure lies. Depending on where you let that pressure be in your life. And I want to, I'm going to read to you from a, a missionary by the name of Hudson. A missionary by the name of uh, Hudson Taylor. He says it this way. He says, it doesn't matter how great the pressure is. He says, what really matters is where the pressure lies. Whether it comes between me and God or whether it presses me nearer to the heart of God. You see, Hannah knew the kind of woman God wanted to on her from these comments and criticisms from Penina, but she didn't let the pressure come between her and God. She let it press her toward the heart of God in what? In prayer. Hannah was praying through her song in the Lord. There's another. She, she, she knew the mission God wanted. At least she believed she knew it. She knew the mission God wanted her to be on. And what did she do? She didn't take vengeance. She didn't lash out. She was strong enough to just take it to the Lord in prayer. Look at verse 10. Verse 10 says it this way. It says uh, in, in verse 10, in her anguish, in her grief, in her anguish, she prayed to the Lord, weeping to God. She, was, she remained focused on the Lord in his mission for her life. Now, there was a man in the 1940s who also had a mission in life, and he knew he would be abused. He knew it was going to cause verbal abuse and, and possibly other type of abuse. This was a mission in the field of sports, and the man's name is Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson was a man they, they, that, that was strong enough not to retaliate not to retaliate, there's a movie made about his life called 42. It's called Movie 42. And there was a, a, a branch 
uh, a man by the name of Branch Rickey, who was a major league executive, who came up with a bold idea, a bold idea to uh, recruit Jackie, a, a, a black baseball player playing in the Negro League, which was a separate league at that time, to, to break the unspoken color barrier. He knew, you know, Jackie Robinson knew, this man knew the challenges it would face, that he would face, Robinson would face, and his family would face, and they did endure unrelenting racism on the field and off the field. And uh, Robinson struggled. He struggled against his nature. How's he going to deal with this? How's he going to deal with this, ra- this abuse? And he, he goes to Branch Rickey, who was also a Christian. And he goes to him, and they meet together. And he says, you want me to be a player who doesn't, it doesn't have the guts to fight back? Branch Rickey says, no. Branch Rickey says, no, no. I want you to be a player who has the guts not to fight back. Not to retaliate. He says this. He says this. I want you to play her. He says, people are gonna, aren't going to like this. They're going to do anything to get you to react. You follow a curse with a curse, and they, they're going to say they're only going to hear yours. You follow a blow with a blow, they'll say the Negro doesn't belong. will be out in force. You cannot meet him on low ground. We win with fielding. Only that. We world is convinced of two things. Number one, you are a fine gentleman. Number two, that you are a great. Like our Savior, Branch told him, like our Savior, you've got to have the guts to turn the other cheek. Can you? Jackie Robinson said, you give me form, back, and I, <laughs> and I, he had the strength not to retaliate. The strength of Christ not to retaliate. You know, the Bible says it this way. When Jesus was led to the cross, Acts chapter 8, verse 30, it says when he, when he was led to the cross, he was like a sheep led to slaughter. And as a lamb before its shearers was, First Peter chapter 23, when they hurled insults at him, he did not return. He did not re- when he suffered, he made no threats. He made no threats. Instead, listen to this, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He entrusted himself to the Father, to him who judges justly. You know, Jesus died on the cross for us and rose again that we could be justified before God Made right with God, made right before Him who judges justly. The Bible says, Romans 4, 23, He was delivered to die for our sins and rose again that we might be justified. Justified by Him who judges justly. Hannah stood strong in the Lord before him who judges justly. She didn't retaliate. She didn't lash out. She just took it to the Lord. And she was praying through her persecution. That's the first pattern of prayer. Number two. Number two, the second pattern that Hannah shows us in her blueprint for prayer is that she prayed 
with all of her heart. She prayed with all of her heart. Verse 15, last part of verse 15, it says this. It says, I, pour, I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. This was not half-hearted prayer. You know, this, was, uh, this was not half-hearted prayer. I love the way she describes it. She says, I was pouring out my soul to God. She was giving it all to God. All the hurt, all the anguish, all the grief, all the hardship. She was just totally open and honest to God. Coming before him in a place of brokenness. And you know, that's what the Bible says is acceptable to the Lord. Psalms 15, 17, a, a broken and contrite heart. Oh, God, you will not despise. That's what God wants us, to come to him with a broken spirit. And Hannah was doing just that. And when she was at that tabernacle, you know, she, when she reached that tabernacle, there was a spirit of joy in, this, in, this, in Shiloh, city of Shiloh. There was a spirit of joy in the air. The people of God were celebrating the blessings of God. But Hannah was in misery. She was in misery. She was fasting. She was weeping, not only because of what Panina had said to her, but because, yes, it was true. She was barren. She was infertile. She couldn't have any children. She was weeping. It was hard to bear. You know, Mother's Day can be a hard day to bear for many women. Uh, women... Uh, maybe there's those that have decided not to have children. Maybe there's those who are unable to have children. Maybe there are those who have lost their children. Or children that, women that have lost their mother. We know of a few in our congregation. It's important for us to be aware and to be sensitive to the pain that women are going through. Hannah was going through pain. She was going through pain. And she was, she, was, she, was, she was at the tabernacle. Eli was seated there. He was right at the, right at the doorpost, right where you enter in, at the porch of the, the, the tabernacle or the tent of worship. The place where you enter. And Hannah began to pray. She was near him, close enough where he could see her. And she was praying, but she was not... It, it was a, a silent prayer. Her mouth was moving, but you couldn't hear her. Eli couldn't hear her, but somebody else could. Amen? God heard her. The Bible said God knows the secrets of our heart. Uh, he knew she was pouring out her heart to the Lord in silent prayer. Eli looked at her. He mistook, he mistook what was going on. He thought she was, what, drunk. He thought she was intoxicated. He said, you got to stop being so drunk, he told her. Mm. Hannah replied. Hannah replied. Verse 15 and 16. She said, no, 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 my Lord. I'm not, I, I'm a woman who's deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine or beer. I, I've been pouring out my soul to the Lord. Don't take me for a wicked woman, a servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. You know, the words there, deeply troubled, literally in the, in, the, in the original language, means to have a burdened spirit, to be burdened in spirit. She, 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 she was bearing a burden in her spirit, in her soul, and it was, a, it was a burden that God 
placed upon her. God had placed upon her a burden because this is how he wanted her to pray. He wanted her to pray. She had this burden that was a purpose of God upon her heart, and she was praying. She had a troubled spirit. The waters of her heart had, were troubled. She was grieving, and she was praying because she was barren. You know, she had no children. Children are a gift from God, amen? They're not to be thrown away. You might have heard the news this last week, Supreme Court leaked uh, information, I'm sure you've heard about it, it's been on the news channels, information that possibly they might overturn Roe versus Wade, the law that legalized abortion in 1973, 50 years ago. And uh, I was watching a newscast this last week, they were interviewing the pro-life uh, attorney general from Arkansas. She was talking about the millions of lives that have been lost in the last 50 years, did you get a gift from your grandson? Or from, well, not your grandson. No, from uh, she was, the last 50 years, millions of life that had been lost. And she said this in her interview. She, she said, we've got to focus on the saving the lives of un, innocent children. And she's talking about all those millions of babies that have lost their lives. And she said, which child, which innocent life was lost that perhaps had a cure for cancer. She said, which child, which child was lost that could have had a cure for Alzheimer's? We'll never know. We'll never know because they never had a chance to grow. Their lives are cut short. You see, children are a gift from God. Children who need mothers to care for them. Children who need mothers to love them. Children who need mothers to nourish them to become what God has ordained them to be. To grow into that person that God has, has ordained for them and purpose for them to be. Hannah was praying. She was, you know, as I said, George Washington says, all that I am I owe to my mother. Huh? You know, the influence of moms upon their children. God had put this burden on Hannah's heart to pray the way he wanted her to pray. This was not a selfish prayer. This was not a, this was not a prayer to be spent on her selfish pleasures. This was a prayer that was put uh, on her heart by God. It was his will. You know, oftentimes God wants to do a work in our lives. He wants to do his will in our lives. But he's waiting. He's waiting for us to do what? He's waiting for us to ask. James chapter 3, chapter 4, verse 2. You have not because you ask not. That's right. Is it your responsibility? My responsibility is to ask. He wants us to come and ask. Hannah was asking him, but here's the thing. When you ask, the key is this, ask with right motives. Ah, verse 3 of James, James chapter 4, verse 3, it says, when you ask, you do not receive. Why? Because you ask with wrong motives. That you might spend it on what you get on your pleasures. See, God's not in the business of answering selfish prayer. 
God's not in the business of answering self-centered prayer. God is in the business of answering prayer according to his will. And he'll give you that burden. He'll put that in your heart. Like he put it on her, like he put it on Hannah's heart. God was moving in the heart of Hannah. You know, God wants you to pray according his, to his will to fulfill, give fulfillment to your life and glory to him. That's what he wants to do. God was in Hannah, working in her, leading her to pray. It was her heart meshing with God's heart. Huh? Her heart touching the heart of God. And God was moving her. And she was praying and she was holding on. Holding on. You know, just like a wrestling match. You know, Ian e. Bounds has written several books on the, on the subject of prayer. And he says this. He says, prayer in its highest form and in its grandest success assumes the attitude of wrestling with God. Just like Jacob, remember Jacob? Wrestled with God, huh? Struggling with God. Holding on to God. That's what Hannah was doing in her silent prayer at the tabernacle when the priest thought she was drunk. She was wrestling with God. Holding on. Holding on. Hannah was holding on to God by faith, by this burden that he put on her heart that he wanted to give her. He allowed her to approach him by faith. Now this prayer was a righteous prayer. And this prayer was a fervent prayer. James chapter 5, verse 16 says it this way. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man has great power in its effect. Are you praying the way Hannah prayed? That's the blueprint. That's what God wants us to do. Pray with fervency. And she was. She was. The blueprint for prayer, she was showing us how to pray with all of our hearts. She was wrestling with God in prayer, holding on to him. Not, in, not only holding on to God, but holding on to his word. Holding on to his word. When she was at that temple, <clears throat> she came to the temple. She came to the, to the house of God to make her request before God that she might hear from God. And after she told Eli that she was in agony, after told, she told the priest she was in grief, he spoke to her. In the words that he spoke to her, she heard as the words of God. It's as, it was as if God were speaking to her. She found assurance she found assurance in the words that Eli spoke to her. Let's take a look, verse 17. Eli answered her, go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you've asked of him. Now, when she heard those words, it, a peace fell over her. A type of peace fell over her. It's like God had, had, had touched her. And I want you to see what happened next. She says, she says, verse 18, may your servant find favor in your eyes. It's just as if, it's just as if she knew, she seemed to know God was looking upon her with favor. 
Look what happened next. Verse 18, next of it, next part of it. She, she went away. She ate something. Her face was no longer downcast. She broke the self-imposed fast. And she was no longer in grief. She was no longer in anguish. God had spoken to her. She knew this was going to happen. He had spoken to her. And, you know, when your, heart, when your heart is open to hear from God, he'll speak to you. When your heart is open to hear from God, he'll speak to you through his spirit and through his word. He'll speak to your heart. She came to the house of the Lord to make a request before the Lord so that she might hear from the Lord. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Come to the house of the Lord and make your request before the Lord that you might hear. Hannah heard a word from God, and it comforted her. It comforted her. She had prayed with all her heart, directed by God, holding on to God, holding on to the word of God, and God saw fit, verse 19 and 20, God saw fit to answer her prayer. Let's read. Early the next morning, they arose. And worshiped before the Lord. And then they went back home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah. And the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant. And gave birth to a son. And she named him Samuel. Meaning because it had, she had asked the Lord for him. The word Samuel means ask of God. Ask. She made to ask. She asked him. Samuel. She was, he was the answer to her prayer. Hannah was a woman who prayed. She gives us a blueprint for prayer. The first blueprint, the pattern in this blueprint is that she prayed through her persecution. Just like uh, Jackie Robinson, she didn't meet her enemy on the low ground. She had strength enough to, to take it to the Lord. She, 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 she took it to the Lord in prayer. Just like Jesus, who was on the cross, entrusting himself to him who judges justly. She was praying not only through her persecution, but she was praying with all of her heart. The burden God put on her, she prayed it. She prayed it. She prayed what God wanted her to pray. And when Samuel was born, it was an answer to prayer, a gift from God. Now Samuel would grow from a little baby to be a, a great leader. It was Samuel who God used to cho choose David, the greatest king of Israel, anoint him as king, and it was through David that Samuel anointed the line of David that Jesus Christ had come. And when Jesus Christ came upon this earth, Mary, the mother of Jesus, sang praises. In Luke chapter 2, it's called the Magnificat. And when she sang those praises, who do you think she quoted? She was quoting from the book of Samuel. She was singing the songs of Hannah. Ha, ha, ha. Praising God for answer to prayer. Hannah's answer to prayer. Will you follow? Will you follow? The prayers of Hannah. It's a challenge, isn't it? Let's pray. Dear Lord, Father, we thank you for moms like Hannah. Lord, moms that know how to pray. Thank you, Father, that Hannah gives us that blueprint. 
to come before you and say, thank you, Lord Jesus, that you set the example, Lord, of not retaliating against our enemies, but of taking it all to you, Lord, and just entrusting ourselves to you who judge justly. Help us all, Lord, to, to follow that example. And, and, and when we come to you, God, give us the burdens that you want us to pray. Give us the burdens that you want us to do, that you want, that are your will for our lives. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus that, that, that allows us to come to you by faith, to be justified by faith, that we may, that we may come before you with peace in our heart through Jesus.